Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Road. I am your host, Travis Ryans, and joining us again is our co-host, Mike Deneen. Mike, how was your Halloween? Uh, it was great. Uh, my partner and I, we went to like a little Halloween shindig, you know, very like, within the, the social gathering limits of the people, you know, and uh, we had ourselves a pretty good time. Uh, did you uh, did you do anything uh, special? Did you, like- yeah, we decided to watch Hocus Pocus um, with a watch party, sort of with a friend of ours digitally. Ooh, fun. Sarah Michelle Geller or Sarah Michelle oh my god Sarah Jessica Parker another three three named Sarah uh, is in that movie right I love it I'm not even that hungover like I don't even have an excuse we can chalk this up to quarantine brain Every, everything like that. that goes wrong it's, these days we can just say it's quarantine yeah it's not like you know my brain was kind of like this before just all Swiss cheese like and it's a pandemic yeah okay <laughs> and that is the voice of producer Matt, who is also joining us for this episode. Matt, thank you so much for stepping out from behind the recording booth. Bada bing, bada boom. Today, we are going to be talking about games that are near and queer to our hearts. Uh, games that we really like. Um, they don't necessarily have to be our favorites, but ones that really mean a lot to us. Um, probably ones that we wouldn't get to cover on the show, uh, either because they don't really have a lot of queer issues or we don't really feel like they could sustain a full episode. But we want you guys to get to know know us and the games that we love. Uh, so, Mike, why don't you kick us off? Tell us uh, your first game that is near and queer to your heart. Okay, uh, so y- when you posed this question to me, I tr- couldn't think of like what metrics I wanted to use because I was like, okay, my favorite is that amount of time spent playing, is that amount of value derived from the game, which is which in and of itself is subjective. But if you're a person who's been gaming for a while, you probably have more than one favorite. Mm-hmm. The ones that sort of first came to mind were the ones that I could just play on autopilot without even really like that. I just enjoy them so much. Like mm-hmm. I, I I'll play them any time of day. If someone's like, Hey, want to play this game? I'll be like, yeah, no, like of course every time infinitely. Yes. Okay. But I don't want to just tell you, I want to, I want to do something that people uh, sometimes on Reddit do, which is I'm going to give you like a bad description of my <gasps> favorite games. Oh, I'm down yes. for this. Okay. And I, I, Travis, I know you know, because I sort of touched upon some of the ones that I was thinking of, but I think this is going to be... And I've already forgotten, uh, so don't okay, worry. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, <laughs> whatever. I'm just going to go through them. Okay, so here's the first one. <clears throat> Unstoppable Super Soldier escorts lunatic AI to humanity's most vulnerable hotspots. Oh. Um, hmm. AI... AI lunatic. Yeah, oh. that sounds like Borderlands to me. Like... Maybe like claptrap kind oh. of thing. <laughs> okay, um, it's funny because now I'm thinking how that paradigm does also fit Borderlands, but it's not Borderlands. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the vault isn't really like a, a vulnerable weak spot for humanity. But if it's, um, do you want to give you like a m- more detail, more another hint or something? Uh, well, Matt, did you want to guess or? Oh, it's something about the word escort. I think it might be that I've been reading too much of Travis's writing for Level Story. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a, I'm a published author in Level Story now. It's no big deal. You know, whatever. It's it's a thing. Working that. Pr- product placement in seamlessly <laughs> maybe i could say i would say unstoppable enigmatic super soldier escorts a helpful but occasionally lunatic ai to uh humanity slash the military's most vulnerable hotspots okay oh okay all right um Hmm. Feels a little Last of Us-y, but that might just be... I'm not hearing AI, it's, though. Uh, like, unless you like yeah. are going super meta oh. and just referring to Ellie as AI. Oh, true. <laughs> that's Oh, that's a good point. Huh. Is it something Star Wars? It's, 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 it's sci-fi. Okay. 
Um, Unstoppable Super Soldiers to me says like Gears of War or Halo. Ding, 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 ding. Wait, oh. oh. You got it. It's, w- which one was it's it? It's Halo. Really? Cortana's Halo. lunatic? I mean, I've yeah. only ah. played the first two games, so. She, I mean, she be, she gets crazy in Halo 5. Oh, okay. okay. So I haven't played that far. Yeah, so she loses her marbles a little bit and, so, and then she, yeah. I guess oh. you would have had to play the most recent one. But anyways, yeah, Halo, Halo is definitely up there because I think, you know, I, I started playing that game in middle school and to me it like i think about how i think what it was was that my friends were talking about how fun this game was and i didn't know what it was and i remember them describing they're like yeah we were like shooting sniper rifles across this like arctic tundra and like you know driving these like cars and da 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 and i was like whoa what game is that that sounds awesome and <laughs> then you know finally playing it and i didn't have an xbox at the time so i think i i had to play it at my friend's house and yeah, it's it's just it was just like a fun game. So, anyways, that's that was my first choice. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about why you liked Halo so much, though. So, like, I mean, I I can see the appeal because it is a lot of fun and uh, it changed the industry with its like regenerative health system. Um, I don't know if you know a lot about like the the design behind it and why they they chose to go with that. Um, no, you know, I, I played the game a lot. I've even gone to like I went to a Halo convention like last year. Uh, but I'm more really? of like a, oh. yeah, I'm more of like a fanboy than uh, than knowing like the, any sort of the behind the scenes stuff. What? Why did they choose to use that system? Uh, so before this, uh, a lot of games were using health bars. So you had uh, a set amount of health that would decrease and then you would try to find med packs or health kits or something that would raise your health. And I mean, the reason for that was that the designers wanted to make sure that no matter where you were in a level, they had a rough idea of how much health you had. Oh. And <laughs> depending on your skill level, you might only be at 20 health because you took a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. And they have to really constantly think about, well, where am I hiding the med packs? Where am I putting the health kits? Are they dropped by enemies? Are they hidden in the world? world so this gave them a little more freedom and liberty to design levels and design enemies the way that they wanted without having to constantly factor in player health at the time Mm. that is sort of what swung the industry for a while towards this regenerative health system and now it's sort of swung back again because there's a lot of rpg elements in a lot of games but uh it dominated for a while all because of that one design decision Mm -hmm. uh and it it really changed the industry for a while that's really cool i also because i think they they did have health packs in halo but yeah you didn't really have to use them in order to get through the game so i think that's it's amazing how working within constraints sometimes uh allows you to innovate and like develop these like cool new ways of of approaching designing a video game or a video game level or, or like even just like the mechanics of the game itself. So yeah, that's neat. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what got you so hooked by the, the lore and the story of the series to turn you into such a fanboy. You know, I think it's the enigmatic nature of Master Chief. You know, uh, you never you never see his face. And so I think that there's this idea that like you could be Master Chief. Okay. I, I don't know. It's like it's like this weird form of hero worship where it's like we've you know, we've walked the path of this like super soldier and you know, indelible hero who can take on an entire alien army and come out relatively unscathed. Uh, and and yeah, and and also have like a, the, this like amazing deep gravelly voice like uh, Cortana. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna go blow up the ship. I'm gonna fly through space and attach this grenade to. I'm going to ride a literal bomb down to the surface. Yeah. <laughs> also, the the intro to Halo Five was just. I I actually still play it on YouTube slash listen to the soundtrack. Oh, you can't beat that soundtrack. Man. It's so that good. soundtrack it's, is amazing. Yeah, it's just it, I'm I'm like a huge video game music nerd as well, oh, and so yeah. if if you have this like a great score paired with this like fun 
gameplay, the action that, you know, it just, it, I, I'm a huge first person shooter fan. So I think that's sort of like the combo platter that really attracted me to, to the game and the, the franchise. I think it's also interesting to look at sort of the games that preceded it. You're looking at first person shooters and a lot of them had these sort of bright, almost cartoony, like caricature-esque protagonists. You know, you have Bond, but you also had like Duke Nukem and things like that. And it was very much a character you were inhabiting as opposed to Master Chief, who was a little bit more of a self-insert. Like you could be Master Chief because you were able to project yourself onto him so easily. He was soft-spoken, or not soft-spoken, rarely spoken, like taciturn kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when he did speak, it wasn't with a lot of personality. It was very sort of direct. So it was easy to sort of put yourself in that character, I think, which is, I think, a big appeal for people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I'm someone who, like, if you get me going as I'm sure any of our listeners can attest to, like, I'll just go, like, I'll just talk forever. <laughs> and I think that I, even someone at the Halloween party I went to last night was, is like, he was like, you know, less is more. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> is this guy, is this guy really like politely telling me to shut up? Like I, I, and I, I don't, don't think know he why was, I would call that politely. I don't know how polite that is. <laughs> like, maybe he was. I don't know, but I was like, you know, I think I think that's true. Sometimes I feel like okay, not I, to get victim blamey, but was it about the costume? Wh- which which costume? Were, weren't you wearing a costume for the Halloween party? Yeah, I well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I dressed as uh, as just like a Star Trek background character, <laughs> which it was this weird thing where it was like, oh, like, who are you? I'm like, I'm a Star Trek background character. Like, oh, and what do you do for work? Oh, I'm a, I'm a Star Trek background character. <laughs> so you just wore your uniform. I, yeah. You just wore and, your uniform. And, and someone was like, like oh, is that your uniform from that? And I was like, no, this, you know, I had to get really nerdy about it and be like, no, this is from like the next generation. I'm in Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh. And so I just, and maybe that's why it became poignant to tell me that less is more. Because <laughs> clearly <laughs> you were doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mike, I love you. Uh, yeah. So please yeah. never do less. Never. Okay. Ever. All right. Yeah. But I, you know, I think that that's Master Chief, you know, he's like, he's a man of few words. And, uh, and maybe that's why I just aspire to be as few, as few words as Master Chief. <laughs> Okay, well, I will spare you the indignity of going on any further about that. Um, Matt, why don't you tell us about a game that is near and queer to your heart? Yeah, so everyone tries to like pinpoint the game that got them into gaming, but it's always, it's always a little more complicated. So where I sort of arbitrarily decided to draw my line of where I got into gaming was her story. Okay. I do not know this game. What is this? It's set up as like a computer desktop. You've got a program open with uh, archive video from this one specific unsolved murder case. And you're trying to piece together what happened based off just the responses. Okay. They cut out the cop questions and you just have a bunch of small little video files that are like nine seconds long. Just a couple sentences. Oh, I think you've talked about this on the show before. I'm, I This is sounding vaguely we, familiar. We did on the Clue episode with uh, Queer Quadrant, yeah. which actually has not aired yet, but will soon. <laughs> Sneak preview. And you can only pull up five videos at a time. So if you were to search like the word the, you'd only get the first five videos. Mm-hmm. You have to find rare enough words to like see later in the interview process gotcha and i'll sort of pose the same question that i was i was asking myself and that you know I'm, I'm curious what qualified this game to you as as like being it, it because it was your it was your gateway game is that why because it's like yeah and like i i had played games growing up mm-hmm. but it always 
had been within that context of like, this is something we're doing to kill time. This is something that like, we're going to use to get out our sibling aggression at each other. (laughs) It had never been, (laughs) it had never been about the art and the story for me. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I ever saw a game that was story as the game. Right. It was actually recommended to me from one of the courses I was taking in university about what can we do with film aside from just playing an hour and 30 minute movie in a theater because it's all full motion video. Yeah, I was going to say, it's worth noting that it's not a CGI image in front of you. It is actually uh, an actress that was filmed. And what's gamey about it is your interface. Like what what you're actually looking at is just clips of a woman talking. Mm -hmm. It it is an actual person. But having full motion video for that made it easier for me to get into, I guess, because video game graphics were in the uncanny valley of like, these are people, sure, but I don't... I wouldn't want to go to coffee with any of them. They look a little strange. <laughs> it reminds me of, it was in the High Score documentary, that game that like bombed really hard where it was video clips of like, a, it was like a horror oh, game. Night Trap. Yeah. Night Trap, yes. Yep. Is it, so did it have that sort of yeah. same sort of Night Trap thing? It didn't because I think it went through the computer interface. Okay. So it felt more normal. Like this would be somewhere where you'd find video clips in real life. Okay. So it it sort of blended the realism of the footage with the realism of how it was presenting it to you. They fully set up like 20 different breadcrumb trails to take you from the beginning to the end based on all of the different choices that you might make. So there's not just one linear path. You could could take any... Sort of which any one of these breadcrumb trails. Oh, absolutely! Okay. It's totally nonlinear. Yeah, like the the first video clip that you're meant to find gives you like six different leads you can follow, whether they're suspects or scenes of the crime, stuff like that. And every time you search the name of one of the new things, you're given five more video clips with five more leads. Very cool. Yeah, I think. Well, it, Matt's talked about why it appealed to him as a non-gamer, and I, I just kind of want to talk about why it appealed to me as a gamer. Do you remember when we were talking about the Life is Strange episode and I had said that, you know, it was really weird how they offered up Mr. Jefferson as one of the potential choices for Mm -hmm. uh, the suspect at the end of the game. And I was like, what? Mr. Jefferson, he's been nothing but nice to (laughs) us. It's got to be him because why else would you even include him as an option? Mm. Uh, And I find that's a problem with a lot of detective games, but I really liked her story because of the way that its interface is set up. Mm. You have to search out things yourself. You're never given a multiple choice list of options of is it A, B, or C. It's based on the things you're typing in and your ability to process the information that's given to you. So there's no way of the game really giving it away to you in the way that it's done in other games. So that's one of the reasons that I also really liked it. Um, And I'm glad Matt brought it up. And what I love so much about it is that when you play it for the first time, you really do feel like you're coming up with all of these things to search, all of these uh, different clues to investigate, the little details in the video clip. And then if you start reading after about how they made it, they have calculated so well what things people might search and where it will lead them and what videos will show up and how to manipulate them like they have essentially accounted for like a thousand different players all typing in different words neat well i can see i can definitely understand the appeal that's that sounds fun yeah no it's really cool it's available on basically every platform you can think of including your phone um it's super cheap so if you guys haven't played it please check it out it's a lot of fun they're paying you no, I just, I like, like promoing like indie games. I like supporting <laughs> Have indie Have you invested creators. in their stock? 
<laughs> with what money? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it is. You know, it's good. You know, support your support your local indie. Not even local. Support your indie games because you know where some of the cool stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sweet. All right, Travis. What's uh? What's one of your uh faves? So uh, the first one I want to talk about is the first game that I actually bought for myself with my own money. That wasn't like a, a gift or something that my parents got for me. Because I, I was very lucky. My parents uh, understood that video games had story to them and, you know, were more than just funny games and they were very supportive. But this is one that I got for myself. I, I think that's giving them a lot of credit. I think they just wanted you to shut up and look at the TV. <laughs> I mean, it's very possible. The one I want to talk about is Knights of the Old Republic 2, specifically, uh, which is a Star Wars game. It came out in 2004. It is based, obviously, on the original Knights of the Old Republic 1, uh, which is a D&D game set in Star Wars, which is what's really fascinating. Um, the whole thing uses a, a D20-based system uh, where you're constantly making really fast rolls to see whether your attacks hit and stuff like that, but each turn takes about like a second long. Um, and it's very much a role-playing game where you get to build your character and their stats and things like that, and you get to make a lot of choices in the game as to different things that happen. You can be Mother Teresa, you can be Satan incarnate or anything in between. You know, it's light side, dark side. I didn't realize those characters were in Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, uh, they're a a little bit of a deeper cut, but they're there. Mother (laughs) Teresa has a high wisdom stat, uh, low intelligence, though. It's really, really disappointing. Well, Um, (laughs) more important question, what color is Mother Teresa's lightsaber? Uh, Viridian. (laughs) It is a Viridian crystal. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good for her. Um... What actually I really liked about this is that it really messes with the whole light-dark binary. Um, Your mentor character by the name of Kreia is constantly second-guessing everything that you do. Uh, Every time you take an action in the game, she usually butts in and says, is that really helpful? Like, is that a good thing that you just did for this person? Or is that a, you know, is that truly cruel of what you've done? And it it starts off annoying, but she really makes you think about everything that you do of like, do you give money to this poor person? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can choose to either do that, not do that, try to scare the person away. Uh, you know, you have a bunch of options. But even if you take what you think is the most charitable thing, uh, yes, I'm going to give them some money. Here they go. Uh, she points out, and you get to sort of watch the scene unfold, that there's a whole bunch of other desperate beggars in this really rundown area that see this person who is suddenly given a lot of money. And because you only gave it to them, these desperate people then start going after this person for that money and they get beat up and it's a little Ayn Randy, but it's <laughs> the place with you. Cause you're messing with the socioeconomics yeah. and yeah. imbalance and what's, what's happening an imbalance, not, a, not in the force, but just in their, uh, in their little mini microcosm society. You're meddling. Yeah. But also it's the idea of choosing to help out individuals will never be as powerful as choosing to change systems to help mm. people. Which was an important thing for my 13-year-old self to learn. Um, So Mm -hmm. what's really fascinating to me, what's sort of never been done in Star Wars before, since at least as far as I know, the final villain, their final goal is the death of the Force itself. They hate the Force. They hate that it has a will, that it manipulates people, that it affords specific people such power over the universe and not to others. They are so angry that that exists as a force that their end goal is not to kill everyone like you would expect of a megalomaniacal villain but to destroy the force itself 
so that it can't afford people this power, <laughs> which is just fascinating to me. I love it as a concept. So It's a very 2020 mood. <laughs> yeah, I honestly think that uh, a lot of the ideas about questioning the binary and like, is the force a good thing or a bad thing? Does it have a light side and a dark side? Does it have a will of its own? Uh, really influenced The Last Jedi, honestly. I feel like a lot of the philosophy came in there. So take that from what, what you will. A lot of people didn't like The Last Jedi. So if you didn't like that, you may not like this game. I personally did. But, you know, you, your, your mileage may vary. Glad we're keeping it uh, Last Jedi discourse free. Yeah, let's not get into that. We don't have the time for that. I just feel like that dates uh, so hard because I remember I'm like thinking about how old I was when that game was around. And, and yeah, yeah, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so long ago. But it feels like only yesterday. Mm-hmm. Only yesterday. We're so old, Mike. Mike, what is a TikTok? Do you know what a TikTok is? I am so confused. Is that, is that like a vine? I don't even. Have no, it's my... like a it's like a breath mint, right? <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate when I'm pouring out the TikToks and they just, you know, they, a bunch come out and I just, I only want one. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. yeah you know, the, but the top, uh, the top of the box of TikToks, though, is designed so that if you, if you just like flip it, it'll give you just one TikTok. But I want to. Which is a technology so powerful that the Chinese government is going to use it against us. That's what's going on. Wait, are we talking about the same <laughs> That's thing? That's why they're trying to ban TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's, there's so many levels of wrong there. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) So if we're going to talk about old games, the next one that I want to talk about is my favorite from that same era. I don't know how many people will have played it, but it's an RTS. Oh. And it's it's not going to be the one that you first think of. But I'm going to give you, here's the bad description of this game. Earth's global superpowers are founded within earshot of one another. They fight throughout various eras of of time earth's global superpowers are founded yeah they're all founded within earshot of each other oh. and they and, and they fight throughout eras or e- like certain eras of time command and conquer oh that's definitely in that space it is not command and conquer but please keep guessing are the civ games real-time strategy they're not real-time they're uh turn-based uh also so complicated <laughs> and i always ask my friends who play civ is like is this a good iteration to play and they're like yeah great time like sid meyer's civ they introduce all this this and this you should get in on it now and i've tried multiple times and it's just it's it i don't know i can't do it it's, it's too complex there's too much minutia which is also why I'm, i've never been really good at real-time strategy games but i love them anyways if you want to talk old games yeah i haven't actually played Civ. I've played the original that came before Civ, which was Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. Oh, um, what a hipster. I, I'm not trying to say I'm cool. I'm trying to say I'm old. Like, it's, <laughs> it's an old game. Back um, in my day, back there was in my Alpha day, Centauri. we played Alpha Centauri. So you were playing games before <laughs> civilization even started. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm that old. Oh my god. Okay, so it's not Alpha Centauri, it's not Civ, it's also not Command and Conquer. Um, it's also not a closely related game series, one of the two. It's not Age of Empires. Oh, I should have thought Age of Empires. Now I'm feeling dumb for not It's not Age that. of Mythology. Okay. It's one that I don't know how popular it is, so I don't know if you're going to get it. So I'll just tell you, it's Rise of Nations. Huh, Rise I have never nations? heard I've, it. No. No? Okay, you start off from like caveman you know same with the age of empires right but but you upgrade your like knowledge level at the library as it goes through time so then you go to like stone age bronze age 
uh, modern age, and then like future age. Oh, so it takes you into this like fun future space as well. And so you kind of have to like do a lot of resource management, you know, people management or whatever. But also you you have to like make sure that your knowledge levels like stay up to date with everyone else on the board. Otherwise, you can like fall behind, oh. and like you'll still be like piddling away with your bronze and teenage bullshit and then someone's gonna come and nuke you right with like they're like fucking nuclear weapons so it's a really fun game i used to play it with my friends in middle school all the time again very old i'm so old uh yeah this is <laughs> but if we're talking about old games that's that's like up there with mine so yeah matt what's another one of uh one of your faves the second one i had was the witness the witness ah oh, yeah this was a gift from travis one year it is the biggest puzzle game you can imagine. Ooh. Like it's it's a walking simulator. You're set up on an island. You've got a bunch of pretty sights to look at. But the only real interaction is puzzles. And they're just these very simple like little maze looking things. Okay. Are we talking like mist style puzzles or like Banjo-Kazooie style? Yeah, slightly misty. Okay, misty. <laughs> very misty. Yeah. <laughs> just as much as it would leave me in a fog if I tried to play it, I'm sure. But it sounds like you really like oh. this puzzle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a pun has reached uh, maturity once it reaches, once it's full grown. I don't know. What's <laughs> that joke? I'm sorry. Good God. I'm, I'm stupid. <laughs> fucking dumb joke. Dumb. Dumb. Okay. Sorry. Go go ahead, man. You can't win them all, Mike. You can't win them no, all. I'm, it's fine. So you like, it's a puzzle game. And what what you stood out, uh, what stood out to you as, this, as being like a, a noteworthy game? So the weird thing about it is as time goes on, there's less visible dead ends okay you have to essentially learn from context so for what for one of them for example there's a, a slight change in ambient sound and you have to notice that to pick up on it uh, okay. um and different parts of the island have different kinds of puzzles that you need to learn how to solve okay so it's like when you're playing like ocarina of time or like any iteration of zelda and you're and you're trying to get through the lost woods yes and they like have the like music cue and it's like you, you're like how do i get to the, the lost woods and i keep ending up back at the start and they're like exactly and, and the game is just like giving you that music cue where you have to like follow where it's coming from kind of mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. when you're looking at the map of where to go if you stand in the right place a bunch of tree branches will align oh. to like cross off certain places so process of elimination I, I think that puzzle with the tree branches casting a shadow over the maze trying to show you which ways to go and not once i figured that out i was like that is genius that is brilliant and it is too smart for me i'm done i'm out i'm not playing anymore because i'm not smart enough for this game and i didn't play it again after that <laughs> and I, I can't blame you it is it is a frustrating game because it's not that I feel like it's poorly designed or anything. I think it's brilliant and genius. I just don't think I'm smart enough for it. Okay, but that's and that's exactly how I feel about Civilization. I'm like, I feel like I don't feel I'm not I'm not on the IQ for that game. And it sounds like I wouldn't have the IQ for this game either. So it's it's less about like IQ and more about sort of reading what the developer is. So you're telling me I have to read social cues? <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> no, I I love this because it is this weird wordless communication between you and the developer. Like he'll put a tree that doesn't look quite right. Like it looks a little bit too brown. And you have to take that as okay. the clue that like, okay, this tree is important and has something to do with a puzzle that's nearby. I don't know. That, that sounds like... racist. <laughs> 
no, it, the way I describe scared. it is like, do you remember the old Scooby-Doo episodes where there'd be like a bookshelf full of books and one book was way cleaner? And you'd be like, oh, someone's going to grab that book eventually. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like you're talking about if you're if you're watching a cartoon and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, oh, that was on a different film. Yeah. It's going to move because it looks different from the rest of them. Like you can tell which elements in the scene are, okay. Yeah, I got exactly. you. Exactly. Okay. So I would say put it in Mike's language that he can understand. Say it's like <laughs> the Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild. Put it in Zelda terms and Mike will understand. Yeah, thank you. It's, you know what's funny? I was thinking about <laughs> that too. Zelda. I tries with the Lost Woods thing. I was like, yeah, it's like the Korok seeds. Exactly. Uh, yeah, okay, gotcha. So it's just this whole island set up for you, the player, as just like this little back and forth between you and the developer. It, I don't know why, but something about it felt so friendly and comforting hmm. that I was like, oh, someone, someone gets how I'm thinking. And I get how someone else is thinking. It was weirdly a nice bond. There was like a moment of connection there between between you and and the game developer. Exactly, that was nice. It, like you feel you, you felt understood. I felt very seen. Yeah, that's how I feel right now with Travis realizing that uh, I just need a Zelda to English dictionary in order to orient myself in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling very seen. <laughs> I'm going to jump into my next game unless Matt, yes. you have more to say about the witness. No, that's that's it. You go for it. We've witnessed his his telling of. <laughs> I'm so off today. Okay, sorry, Travis. Just go. <laughs> just what's... Your Honor, permission to treat the witness as hostile. <laughs> I'm, I have, permission. I'm not even ahead. that hungover. That's the problem. Like, I, I wish I could say like, oh, I drank so much, but I, I didn't at all. So I have no excuse. Okay, Travis, what's, what's, uh, what's next up on the docket? So another game that was near and queer to my heart was one that sort of showed me what video game storytelling was capable of and what made video game storytelling unique mm. compared to other medium, which is Spec Ops The Line. <laughs> I am going to spoil this, by the way, for anyone who hasn't played it yet. Uh, if you want to, you, you can. It is a much older game. It is not a fun experience. Don't expect to go in and have fun. It is just uh, a storytelling experience <laughs> and something to... If you enjoyed to... The Last of Us 2, you might enjoy this. Okay. Yeah, I, I will say that. And also, I don't want to spoil Last of Us 2 for anyone, including Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so Spec Ops The Line, on its face, looks like any other generic modern war shooter. Mm -hmm. There was a massive sandstorm that uh, blew through Dubai. An American military team was sent in to retrieve civilians and never came out. You are... Walker, uh, the lead of uh, a Delta Force strike team who is going to make their way inside, find out what happened to this American team that got left behind, and try to uncover the truth, figure out what happened. So you go in and a bunch of, well, let's be honest, generic brown people start shooting at you. Uh, and it's like, whoa, okay, got to take down these insurgents, whatever. That sounds racist also. But that's the point. That Straight up it is. That's the point. It's actually a commentary on modern war shooters about how ready you are to just shoot these random Oh, okay. I was trying to be funny and then Jeets got real. You're like, that's that's the point, Mike. That's what the game, It's that's the message. Nope. No joking. Today we're sad. Yeah, no, today we're shit's getting real. <laughs> So, yeah, you go through and then you find out that the American military regiment that was left behind wanted to save these civilians, but then, after not being able to escape, declared martial law to keep order and then started subjugating these civilians mm. and have now created their own little society within it that where they are the ultimate rulers. The American military that spots you assumes that you are there to clean them out to make sure that no one ever finds out what they did mm -hmm. and they start firing on you and you stop shooting at random brown people and you're shooting at American military. You are now taking out American soldiers, which is huge 
for a, a modern war shooter. Like that's completely questioning everything that we do. And you start working your way through up and the leader of these people, Conrad, is talking to you through your headset, baiting you and goading you and telling you how he's in charge and he's the commander and, you know, he did what he had to do and blah, 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 blah and all these things. And when you finally make it to the end, you commit so many atrocities along the way. Like you end up using white phosphorus on people, which is a fucking war crime. What's what's white phosphorus? It's like napalm, but worse. It's a chemical agent that leaves people horribly disfigured if they survive. But if not, they suffer horrible, painful deaths. It's a thing that should never be used whatsoever and is yet still used by the American military. It's okay. horrifying. Oh. And you end up using it on what you think is an American regiment, but is actually civilians. But this is all in the name of taking down Conrad and saving people. And you get to the end and Conrad actually is dead. Your character that you were playing has invented this villain so that he has a bad guy to blame because he needed to be the hero. He needed to be the good guy. Mm. And that just wasn't actually the case. And Mm -hmm. the game calls you out in so many ways. First off, directly by saying you wanted to be a hero. You wanted to be something you're not. But even the loading screens get kind of fucked up. It starts off with press triangle to do this. And, you know, this you can find ammo inside of crates and blah, blah, blah. And all like the general tooltip Mm -hmm. stuff. But as the game goes on, the loading screens start calling you out and saying things like, how many people do you think you've killed in this game so far? But does it matter? Are they even real? Ooh, biting. (laughs) Yeah, so the game really starts turning on Uh you um, and starts making you question you for why did you want to play this game in the first place? Why did you want to play a modern war shooter? And that's something that can really only be done through games. You can't achieve that in another Mm -hmm. medium. And I think, too, a lot of criticism I've seen of it is this idea of, like, stop trying to make me feel guilty for playing the game that I bought. But... The game is saying, what did you expect when you bought this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's, anyways, my rant. I like that you you chose these games that are biting social commentary, and I feel like I should have picked other games now, (laughs) because I just picked ones that were fun. (laughs) No, it's about what's what's near and clear to you. (laughs) And the thing, too, when, when Travis pitched doing a favorite games episode, I was immediately worried because i'm like i can't i can't pick favorites i i have anxiety i sit on the couch for three hours and i think but what if i pick the wrong one what is my actual favorite and so by by picking the ones that are closest to our heart and that live most rent-free in our minds it's it's not you saying this is the best game or this game is the most important game it's just what games came to you at the right time in life yeah absolutely well, if we want to talk about games that connect time and life, I'll, I want to talk about the last one that I, I have, which is which I picked yes. to talk about, which is uh, I'll give you the bad description, uh, and I think you'll you'll probably get it. This is this is this is an easy one. Uh, okay, <clears throat> cute, lovable mascots brutalize one another for no discernible reason. Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that the menu music is like etched in my mind because I feel like I've just had the I I played that game for so many hours of my life uh it's just and I have like had tournaments at my place and and uh and my roommates and I we all play it and I've and I've been playing it for yeah since it came and it's just like you know what I was I was trying to figure out like why it's such a popular game what, what is the appeal and I think it's just because like when you're a kid and you have action figures 
and you just kind of pick up the action figures and you like mash them against one another and yes. you're like you're, you're they're battling you know you're battling and that's basically what Super Smash Brothers is it's that's, like <laughs> that's so true you just take characters and mascots that you love from a, a variety of game series so you've got this like smorgasbord of of like dopamine from seeing <laughs> the hero from all the games that you've been playing and now not only are they all in the same place but they you can like make them fight one another so there's this like fun conflict element and and you know and people get into it you know people get really into it i get into yeah. it so i you know i think it's a it's just a fun timeless series that incorporates a lot of the uh, nintendo fan favorites and and now and now the minecraft dude is in it which is he's so hard to play i don't know if anyone's <laughs> played as steve and his like associates yeah you can build stuff in the world but like i can't i'm just i feel i've never felt this is oh. me feeling old again yeah. I can't I can't wrap my head around the mechanics of this character. And it's like they you know, they've changed what's cool and what's hip now. I'm not with it anymore, you know? And I, an onion tied to your belt isn't exactly. enough. So anyways, that, that's that's my last favorite. Uh yeah. Well, Mike, hold on. Who you can't say that and not say who your Smash mains are? Yeah. Gray Lucario. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's like a fun, faster version of Mewtwo, and he's yeah. He's kind of he kind of looks like a furry, you know. So he's kind of got that like I'm a furry, <laughs> but I also like can kick your ass and and then what like I, an I edgy make, furry. Yeah, yeah. And I make him gray, so he looks like my cat. So I I kind of imagine <gasps> like the spirit of my cat is like also my fighter, but like I'm Aww. also playing as a furry, but like also a Pokemon. So it's like all this kind of like fun. <laughs> In, it's it's my head. I love that. The layers. I feel like my roommates listen to this. It reveals too much about my orientation towards Super Smash Brothers, but (laughs) I I think we're fine. (laughs) I I feel like people underestimate how much of a cultural force that game is that, like, people who don't usually game will still play Smash. Yeah. That's what I think is fascinating about it, too, is that it's this, like, light, casual, fun, pick up a character and start, you know, beating around with it. And yet also... It is this massive esport at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like the range that game has is really fascinating. To that, me. Yeah, that is the quintessential picture of low skill floor, high skill ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. It differs though. I feel like there's a difference between uh, the melee because the the gravity was wait, wait. different. Like the physics were different. What did you call it? Melee, melee. Yeah, M- melee. How do you say it? Melee. I say melee. I love melee. Am I putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable? <laughs> it, it was wrong up until now but now i'm deciding that's the right pronunciation yeah. that's what we're all using moving forward <laughs> M- it sounds it sounds Super so much now, better now i've said it too many times matt are you sure <laughs> are you sure about that yes Okay, Mike, well, thank you for ending our four-year relationship. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's done now. That's, that's over. Oh, um, no. What have I done? I stand by my choices. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, sarah. Well, I'm, you guys had a good run. Yeah, no, it was good. It was pack it in. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Fuck do off. We have, I think we, it was certainly a run. That was my three, but I think we, because we, Matt, you do you get your third one? Yeah. My third one is one that I played so recently that I felt a little bad including it. But I feel like this is going to stand the test of time. During the pandemic, I played a little indie game, Outer Wilds. You play as a little alien in a completely different solar system. Mm. The whole game is just about your people saying, okay, go have fun. Go go fly around space and archaeologically piece together uh, what happened here before your species came to be. Okay, cool. It really hit me when I, when I needed it because... Man, I feel isolated from my species during this quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, a couple of things that are worth shouting out about it is, one, um, 
all of the alien race that you are a part of are all non-binary. They all use they, them pronouns, which is kind of cool. Yes. As well as it's got a mechanic that might be a huge boon for you or it might be a huge turnoff. So take it as you will. Uh, but it uses a Majora's Mask-esque time clock where the game will reset your progress I don't really know how long the cycles are. I would say they're like half an hour, Matt. What, what would you say? 22 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, he knows specifically that. 22 <laughs> minutes. This hour has 22 minutes. Um, That's a little Canadian joke for anyone who's listening. Um, yeah. So it's interesting how you're also kind of racing to see the clock of like always trying to explore something new. And yet at the same time, it kind of reminds you that since everything's going to reset anyways, why not try it? Why not go for it? You know, if you find yourself careening towards the sun about to burn up, you just sit there and like, oh, well, next run. <laughs> <laughs> also, thank you again for putting it in Zelda terms. Yeah. See, here you go. This is. <laughs> we really need to do more Zelda stuff. We are wasting Mike's uh -oh. potential here. <laughs> I'm down to do an Ocarina episode. I'm down to do a Breath of the Wild episode. Like, let's let's keep Mike happy. Let's oh, do it. You guys are the best. I just uh, maybe a Zelda through through the through the ages. What am I? Oh, I just knocked over something in the booth here. I love that you went full Zelda and decided to break a pot. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounded like too. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I got to see if there's rupees inside. <laughs> Uh, Travis, what's your uh, final final entry in our top three video games segment se episode? <laughs> the last one that is near and queer to my heart uh, is one that might be a little controversial for some people uh, and might not even be known to some others. <laughs> Evolve. It's an online game, uh, asymmetric strategic shooter where you are either one monster or one of four hunters placed down on a map. The monster gets like a one to two minute head start where it is running around the map trying to feed and get stronger, whereas the hunters are then trying to track and hunt down the monster. Mm. If they find the monster, they can drop a force field dome over the area you're in, and you are then trying to deal damage to the monster in like the 60 to 90 seconds or whatever it is that you have inside this dome before the dome goes up and the monster can run off again. Eventually, if the monster gets strong enough, uh, it no longer needs to run. You do. Uh, you as the hunters need to start fearing the monster. So it's really fascinating in a lot of different ways. It, like It's a hunting game. You're trying to track both through its actual tracks on the ground. When it triggers a bunch of birds to fly into the sky, you're trying to like outsmart it because it's faster than you so you're trying to cut it off uh even the combat is really cool because your arena changes every single time wherever you drop the dome is going to be different each time so Ooh, you may even catch the monster but decide this isn't good ground for you and still try to follow it for a while until you get to something that's a little better for you to try to lay out and the other reason that I really liked it is that this is the game that got me into online gaming. I kind of assumed that all online spaces were super toxic, super homophobic, super unwelcoming. And I didn't even know I was buying an online game. I thought this was uh, just with a bunch of AIs that you could do because of a friend that completely misled me. Thanks, Churchill. <laughs> um, so I met some really cool people actually playing this. And if I am going to shout people out, I really want to say um, Zeb, John, and Dread, the three other people that I played with the most on this. They made me feel so safe and welcome in this space that I was super uncomfortable in. And I developed real online friendships through that. And I was so glad for it. And it really changed the way I look at online gaming because I thought it wasn't for me and that I wasn't welcome or allowed. Making friends, so, making new friends in fun spaces. <laughs> yeah, friendship. They were so lovely. I am still friends, well, at least with Zeb to this day. The other two I haven't kept in touch with. Unfortunately, guys, if you hear this, please get in touch. I miss you. Why are you making them do the work? <laughs> 
I, I don't know how to find them. Zeb could probably connect me. I should probably talk to him. But um, Zeb does listen to the show, actually. He shouts us out every week. He's, he's such a sweetheart. He's the nicest guy. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So, yeah, that is my final game. Uh, the reason that I was going to say it was controversial is because uh, it didn't last very long. Um, less than a year after it came out, uh, it got shut down, oh. unfortunately. Uh, and it's such a shame, too, because I feel like when most online games now fade into obscurity, there's something pretty close to replace them yeah like if, if one of your battle royale games goes down there's always another that will pop right back up and cater to the same clientele but it doesn't seem like evolve really has a modern counterpart in the same way i would say that the closest thing to it is dead by daylight true but it's not the shooter i don't find there's as much strategy personally having watched a lot of dead by daylight i, I don't really mm -hmm. feel like it reaches the same level. I don't feel like it requires the same amount of skill either because you have to be really good with a gun playing uh, Evolve. And I, I, that's not to say that it, Dead by Daylight is a low skill game. It's just, it's a very different kind of, it doesn't require the same kind of mechanics out of you. Yeah, it's, um, it's not pulling from the same pool of people. Yeah, it, it's still, I, I miss it. I hope they remake it someday, uh, make it a little better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is my last near and queer Nice. Um, I feel like we, we got through nine games, nine whole games. It, it's almost yeah. a top 10. <laughs> well, you know what that 10th slot's going to be for? What? We're going to say that belongs to you guys, the fans. Yeah. We want to hear from you. <laughs> Please tell us what are the games that are near and queer to your hearts. Email us at rainbowroadpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at rainbowroadpod. We want to hear from you guys. We want to make it a regular segment on the show. Tell us the games that are near and queer to your heart. It can be as little as a paragraph. It can be as much as like a full essay. However you want to tell us about your games, the things that you really love and why they mean so much to you. They don't have to be queer. They just have to be something that means a lot to you, uh, sort of like we did here today. So uh, I really hope we hear from you guys. Uh, and please uh, let us know. Yeah, and then we'll do it. We'll, we'll talk about it on the next episode we do. Yeah, well, I'd love to make it a regular segment of the show where people write into us and we, you know, pick one or two every episode and we read it out for people and they talk about what games they love and why they love them. I like that. It's like a it's like a what you plan, but we're we're turning it on it. We're turning it on its head and asking our our audience, our listeners. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of uh, segues, there, Mike. <laughs> hey, buddy, what you playing? What am I playing? What am I playing? <laughs> My roommate started Among Us 2, or not Among Us 2, sorry, Last of Us 2, uh, so i kind of been watching a bit of that, um, uh, and what else am I playing? Oh, I, you know what, I'm playing, I'm just mostly playing the new, new Tony Hawk. Nice. Oh, good. Where nice. a distraught good. adrenaline junkie is attempt to wheel themselves off cliffs, except all the available edges are curved upwards. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you even tried to poorly explain your own what you play in. Like that's that's great. Yeah, you committed to the bit here. <laughs> Matt, what are you playing? I just finished a game for the Switch called Super Liminal. It's it's very portal-y in the sense that you've got the test atmosphere and AI voices demeaning you at every turn. But instead of portals, you can adjust the size of objects based on how big they look in your field of vision. So if you get up really close to like a chess piece and then grab it, when you turn and look at the, the rest of the room, if you then drop the chess piece, the chess piece drops across the room as big as it looks to you from that point. Oh, it plays with perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. If you don't get how I'm explaining it, just look up a trailer on YouTube. That'll be all you need to know if this game is for you or not. But Man, I had a fun time with it because they get weird with perspective. I played it high and that is the best decision I ever made and could be the worst decision someone else ever makes. <laughs> Travis, what, what do you what's your what's your game of choice at the moment? 
I really just want to say Hades again like I did last time because <laughs> I am obsessed with Hades, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, what I am going to say is that a new roguelike just came out that I'm also really liking. Uh, it is called Red Lantern, where you are playing as a sled dog racer in Alaska getting ready to do the Iditarod. By the way, it's voiced by Ashley Birch, who is just a gem. So if you like Ashley Birch and anything that she's done, she's Chloe in Life is Strange. She's amazing. We love her. We stand. And uh, to answer the very important question, you can pet all of the dogs. <laughs> yes, you, you can, can pet, pet every them dog. extensively. And they are all very good. They're all such good boys and girls. We love them. Uh, it is a roguelike, so you're doing runs and you're trying to protect your dogs, keep yourself fed, keep the dogs fed, find supplies along the way. It is a lot of fun. It's very cute. Um, they do a good job of giving the dogs personality without being like ham-fisted about it. Yeah, for sure. You have one dog who's a really good hunter and you have one who like has good instincts. So if you're torn on a decision and don't know what to do, you can ask Noodle and Noodle will tell you what to do. Yeah, that's um, so cute. But then... All of their pluses are also their weaknesses. Like with Noodle, he has good instincts, but that means sometimes he won't listen to you if he really believes in himself. Mm. So you gotta you gotta build your team with that in mind that everyone has weaknesses that are also their strengths. I like that. That's yeah. fun. Nice. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thanks, Matt, for joining us. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can get you out for some more of these later episodes that we're doing before we get back into like an official season two with our, our big episodes going back into mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Once we get into season two, you can expect me back pushing for a beginner's guide episode. Yes, absolutely. We're very excited to cover that. As well as maybe Last of Us Two. Mm-hmm. I'm down for that. Maybe. It's, uh, man, that game, I forget how scary that series is. It's like revisiting it. It's like hearing my roommate play from down the hall. It's just like screams and stuff. I'm oh, like, oh my God. Everything is pain. Yeah. Wait till you get oh, to the no. hospital. Wait till you get to the hospital. What is it with them in hospitals? <laughs> no one is getting healed. <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been Rainbow Road. If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at Rainbow Road Pod or get in touch with us for future episodes at RainbowRoadPodcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kennar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road.